What is up, everyone? Thanks once again for tuning in to the Golden Edge Podcast, your number seven rated podcast in the entire planet. Now, we are dropping quickly. We've got to rise back up to number one. We're very proud of that number one ranking in the entire planet that we assigned ourselves. We're right down at seven right now. So help us out. Subscribe on iTunes. Get the podcast everywhere that you could get it. But definitely tell your friends, tell everyone. If they're interested in the Golden Knights, this is your place to find out about what's going on in the Golden Knights universe. Hear from the luxurious, luxurious, luxurious podcast studios of the Review Journal, Adam Hill, with no Ben Goats this week. Sorry to everyone, Ben is not here. I know a lot of people love just the happy, joyous, just all about smiling all the time, Ben. But he'll be back next week. Dave Shane. Back in once again. Thank you for coming back, sir. Yeah, we appreciate yeah. it. It's good to see you. It's like the I'm like such the polar opposite of Ben. I'm like, you br- you bring me in for like the depressing times like last time, and it's much better this time. It's but much it- better this time. <laughs> it's much better. And I don't want to attribute last time us being down to just the fact that we're both sort of pessimistic by nature. Uh, I think it was that the Golden Knights just weren't playing that well. well yeah. Things, things have changed. Yeah, clearly. I, and we even mentioned it last time, you know, was as bad as that Calgary game was. You know, a few days later, it could completely flip around, and it kind of did. Reeled off five in a row, and I mean, I actually thought they played pretty well in Edmonton, to be quite honest. Uh, even that game, even though it was a 2-1 loss, I thought it was more about the Oilers and kind of what Hitchcock has got going up there, and, and the goalie kind of seems to have solidified some things. So I actually thought it might have been their one of their there's three games, one of their better. I think it might have been the best game they played on the road trip. They, I, they pe- weren't that good in the wins. Yeah, I, I've heard people kind of make that argument, too, and and, and a lot of ways, I, I would actually agree with that. I thought they were a little loose in the first period, um, especially after the McDavid goal. It seemed to kind of snowball a little bit momentum-wise for the Oilers. There was, a, I think it was like 18 shots on goal uh, at the end of the first period. And, you know, sometimes that can be deceiving if they're just, you know, throwing pucks on on Flurry from, you know, every distance and in any spot on the ice. Uh, but they, they really did tighten up after that in the last two periods. And, you know, you go into the third period on the road, 1-1, you give yourself a chance to get, you know, one point, two points. I mean, I know they were disappointed that they couldn't get something out of that game, but I also know that there's positives that you can build, you know, going into that Capitals game, going into this little, you know, kind of three of four at home little stretch that they have here. And we should mention, uh, it, it is Tuesday, as, uh, as always, when we're recording this. So Capitals game is tonight, the Stanley Cup final rematch at T-Mobile Arena. So if you're listening to this after the game, just know that we are talking right now before the game. Uh, against the Capitals, and as you said, last time last time we did the podcast together, I believe it was, what, two weeks ago, they were, they were not playing very well, and it was a very down kind of just a, you know, an analysis of what is wrong with this team, and then, but at the very end, as you mentioned, we said, then again, the division is to the point where you win three games in a row, you're right back in a playoff spot, you're, you're you know, right in a position that you want to be, and that's exactly what, what they did, as you said, five straight games, but I wanted people to know, it's not, it's not that we're in a different mood for any other reason, um, but that we are going to be more upbeat today in our in our podcast because you were singing Blind Lemon, Blind Melon. I was going to I should say it correctly before we went on. So you set the tone for good times here. Hey, Brandon Hoon, you know, uh, or Shannon Hoon, not Brandon. Sorry, Shannon Hoon. Uh, well, I get the band's name wrong. You can get yeah, the, I get name the wrong, singer's whatever. name wrong. Yeah, rest his soul. But thank goodness we're that, sports writers, not music writers. Exactly. That's one of those songs. I'm sorry. I'll put it on the radio that goes up to 25 on the volume every time. 
I will sit in a parking lot if I have to go somewhere and wait for that song to end wow. until I get out of the car. I don't I don't know what it does. It's, it's some the Bumblebee girl. I don't know something about it. Something <laughs> about the song. Yeah, some real insight into a very disturbing mind of Dave of Dave Shane uh, here on on the Golden Edge podcast. Well. Let's start with some news around the league of what's going on and, and impacts the Golden Knights. And certainly I think Golden Knights fans are interested in that the big NHL news right now is expansion uh, in Seattle. Team is coming to Seattle. Good news for the Knights. Not that it was a whole lot of thought that it might not be the case, but there's confirmation. They won't have to give up a player, which is very, very good news for the Knights and, and their fans. Uh, so that's good. You know, a, a new some new life in the in the. Uh, in the NHL, and um, you know, I think I think it's a, a fascinating story. It's one that we saw coming, so it's not like out of the blue they all, all of a sudden right. said Seattle's getting a team. So we've we've discussed this and talked about it, but the news is here; it's official, and it's going to happen now. Twenty twenty one, the launch date. Yeah, I think you know when you look at expansion, you look at some of the the, the possible cities, and you know, Houston was sort of you know on the on the radar for a little bit, and obviously, Quebec City is kind of. You know the the Canadian city that everybody seems to to think deserves a team, wants a team, should get a team. I you know, guess it's up for debate. But I think can they move Edmonton there because I just don't want to go there anymore. <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna get a team at some point. <laughs> we'll we'll see. I don't know. I'm sure Houston uh, probably ahead of them to be yeah. quite honest. I I don't know if I should be saying that, but you know I think Houston or, or excuse me Seattle just geographically it fits. It's such a good rival with Vancouver. You've kind of got this I-5 stretch now, you know, obviously San Jose's not quite on the I-5, but, you know, just between, you know, L.A., Anaheim, up through San Jose, you, it, it feels a little bit more like the Pacific Division, to be quite honest. Now, if I don't know that you're going to ask me this, but I'll get into this quite honestly, is I don't like the Arizona move to the Central. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, either. And I know Gary Bettman said that Arizona tends to draw better with Central teams than Pacific Division teams. I guess that's their logic. It's if, a lot of retirees from like the from the Midwest. Okay, sure. There. Okay, which makes sense, I guess. If it's me, if I'm commissioner for a day, send Edmonton and send Calgary to the Central and bring Colorado to the Pacific. If the Golden Knights and Bill Foley want to have this team of the Rockies and whatever, let's have the direct rival. Let's you know, let's put them in the division, play four, sometimes five games. You know, whatever. It, it would feel a little bit more like the Pacific. I'd rather see Edmonton, Calgary. You know, a little closer to Winnipeg and, and developing that. They're obviously in the mountain time zone and, and and already kind of, you know, leaning that way. That's just the way – if I if it was me, if I was king for the day, if I had Gary Bettman's Nike. Well, if you, you were know, king Nikes. for the day, I don't think you'd be worrying about alignment in the NHL. <laughs> There's, like, other things you could no, do. No, no, probably not, you know. I'd be trying to figure <laughs> yeah. out how to get Blind Melon on a radio station, yeah. <laughs> you know, 24-7 or Blind something Melon like channel. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think that you're only saying it because you'd rather go to Phoenix twice a year than Edmonton and Calgary. Well, for sure, for sure. I think, that, I think that's, that's. But I also the think it's it's a four hour. You know, I think it works better for Vegas. I think there's zero reason Vegas and, and Arizona shouldn't be in the same division. Correct. It, that that's what it, it really boils down to. Teams. Yep, they're, they're the closest teams. Four-ish hours or whatever. Last year they played five times. They were the one team that they kind of almost said, you know, maybe it's a natural rival. Yeah. You've already got the Kings and the Ducks, you know, whatever. Sharks kind of in that. It made so much sense for the Coyotes and the and the Knights to be, you know, natural rivals. And all of a sudden now they're just they're ripping this apart. What are they doing, you know? It makes very little sense to me. But uh, as I said, the as far as the Knights go, uh, the things that they have to be concerned about, 
are not there. Like they don't have to worry about losing a player, and, and they knew that. But confirmation is there. That's a a good step for them. And um, you know, we certainly heard from Kelly McCrimmon this morning, who you know reiterated that, like, hey, that's good. And also interesting to hear him say, you know, of course they're going to talk to us about what we did and everything else. But there's a lot of stuff that's very proprietary that's ours. Like, yeah, of course. Like, I know he said that they had talked to other teams about how they went through the process, but. There's there's not a whole lot of help that you should really do. It is still a rival. Yeah, that was kind of my. I was actually interested. He would even uh, divulge what he divulged, only in the sense of like, if it was me up there, I'd be like, yeah, they're on their own, dude. Yeah, of course. You know, they're hey, they're one of thirty two now. Yeah. Like, figure it out, guy. No, I think I think you know, there's some logistic but, stuff yeah, and, and things yeah. like that that you can help them with. And you know, I know like teams get together at the at the draft and talk about hey what hotels in each city are the best like those things sure. th- those things for sure sure and and obviously you know George McPhee has been very public about how he talked to you know folks from uh Minnesota uh, you know Doug Risebrow and and folks who went through the process in Nashville folks who went through the process in Minnesota Columbus you know some of those expansion you know team the last ones I guess you could say I mean it's, it had been 17 years it had been so long Obviously, the landscape totally changed, but but they, you know, obviously George McPhee tried to pick as many brains as possible yeah, for sure. So so you know whoever gets hired up there, where you know Dave Tippett is obviously kind of the advisor that they're using right now, and and if he's the guy that's you know making the hires and and, and things like that, obviously they're going to do their deal, due diligence. They're going to talk. They're going to try to figure out as much as possible. But yeah, I think you know part of the reason, and, and we talked a lot about this last year. The way that the Knights kind of manipulated and used that that expansion system to accumulate draft picks, to accumulate players like Alex Tuck, uh, you know William Carlson taking on a contract like, you know David Clarkson. I'm, you know we laugh about David Clarkson, but David Clarkson basically turned into William Carlson. So all those things that the Knights kind of did, you know that's what you're going to try to want to replicate in Seattle, and I'm sure the Knights are going to say. You know that's our that's our secret. That's well, our that's our a one. That's our sauce. We're not giving that away. Yes, but yes, but I'll say that because while we just talked about how they're not losing a player, how can Seattle get that information that Vegas used to build their franchise? Well, we spoke to somebody today who is probably going to be a candidate up there for a uh, GM job. If that's kind of what you're getting, I at. mean, I honestly I can't imagine that they would hire anybody else. I think Kelly McCrimmon has to be the leading candidate. I think he will be the leading candidate. I think I do believe he will be the GM of Seattle. Yeah, I mean, now I don't have anything to go on as far as that, so I'm pro- you know, much more hesitant to you know, say I agree or disagree with anything like, you know, is he gone? Is he going to be a candidate? If, but I if think he's his name, not, If he's not the leading candidate, there's something wrong with that organization. I think his name has already been floated. I think his name will come up. I think they'll they'll have to speak to him. I think... His experience kind of in Seattle, you know, just just a little bit with the Western League and, and being with Brandon and kind of going through that area, being familiar with with the hockey kind of market and, and the sense, you know, what the fans are kind of looking for. I, I don't know that there's anybody probably better. And then, obviously, he's the freshest having gone through the expansion right. experience. Well, I think that that's the biggest thing. Right. So, okay. so the experience of going through knowing where to, you know, take advantage of teams, you know, you can look at their salary cap situation. You can look at, you know, guys on, you know, UFA contracts the way that the Knights did, James Neal, David Perron. I mean, those guys were essentially rentals, but look what they got out of them, yeah. you know? So if if anybody can can figure out the system, you know, Kelly Kelly McCrimmon has obviously got the inside information, so to speak. Yeah. And that, as we said, you know, when he said, 
hey, they'll talk to us about some stuff, but some stuff's proprietary, and, and the way that you get that proprietary information is by hiring the people that have the proprietary Clearly. information. Clearly. And so, yeah, actually, I, I said McCrimmon has to be the leading candidate, no question about it. No, that's wrong. Uh, Seattle should make an effort to get McPhee. He's probably not going to go, and McCrimmon would be the next logical step from that. I think that would be how the how, how it would fall. Yeah, I mean, I, without doing a lot of research, I would have to try to see if there's any other names that would pop up as natural um, connections up there. Obviously, you know, the only hockey that's been up there is, is you know, WHL juniors and, and things like that. So I don't know that there's, you know, anybody that's kind of floated around the NHL, you know, that's an assistant GM or – You or have to have somebody that, like that, that went but through that process. You I, have to. I would think – just because of how complicated it seemed to be and the way that teams seemed to kind of stumble over it more than yeah. anything, you know, you kind of want to know where you can, can pick your spots, take advantage, and, and how to build a team and, and whether you want to do it quickly, excuse me, or whether you want to, you know, kind of do it through a draft or, or a combination thereof that the Knights seem to kind of, uh, you know, at least that seems to be their model. Yeah, for, for sure. And so that will be something to monitor Absolutely, in this situation, while the Knights don't lose players, they could definitely lose and staff. There's other staffers too. Like there's a lot of all these departments and behind the scenes people that have been through this process of you know being a part of an expansion team all have that information and that knowledge. And like if if you're going to emulate something, you want to emulate what the Knights did in building a franchise. Yeah, no absolutely. question. And so I, whether I'd that goes to scouting yeah, and every everything yep. from from PR to to you know, equipment managers, like all those people had to go through this process, and they did it as well as anybody could have ever imagined. So there's absolutely there'd be no excuse for Seattle not to start looking at all these people and try to try to bring them over. So uh, we will see how that situation plays out in the future. But that is a 2021 launch date. But hey, the organization's up and running. They're going to start bringing people in pretty soon and uh seattle coming to the league the next question is what kind of logos and names and all that stuff i know <laughs> nate schmidt was very excited about talking about that today uh after practice or after the uh, morning skate excuse me before this washington game well that's what's going on kind of around the league here in las vegas certainly there is a lot of uh, optimism about the way the team played especially that five game winning streak before losing one um but there is still the lingering you know, thought of the injuries that are that are still a part of this team. You've got Eric Howla out long term. Paul Stastny is back skating. Still appears a couple of weeks away from returning. Uh, what what do you think? I mean, there's it's really only speculation at this point because nobody says anything is going on with Howla. I feel he's not playing. But Jordan Gallant yesterday said, "Don't rule him out for the year. He's not ruled out for the year yet." Uh, I I'm close to being ready to say. It seems like he's probably not playing this year. Yeah, I mean, I, that that would be my lean. Um, I know they're always hesitant to, you know, put an absolute on it. Lots I don't. Of months. Yeah, which, you know, maybe maybe it's just kind of their process and their uh, policy is, you know, if you say he's out for the year, then you can all of a sudden put a timetable on it, yeah. and they don't want that. Yeah. Um, that might be it. It just looked so bad. Um, it looked like something, whether it was an ACL, whether it was a dislocated knee. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm always hesitant to to speculate on some of the medical stuff, yeah. but to get stretched off, I I will. T- you know what? I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story actually about this though. So I had gone down uh, in Toronto from the press box down to the media center uh, after the injury, but not 
not too long after the injury. It was entirely blocked off. They were not letting me anywhere near the media center because it was near the locker room where Hallow was. Apparently he was still getting treated or they hadn't moved him out of the room and whatever, which at the time, without jumping to too many conclusions, made me think it had to be something reasonably serious. Right, right. So, yeah. you know, to, to not rule him out, yeah, maybe it means he comes back in April. Maybe, maybe he's available for the playoffs. Um, you know, and then you're talking about what essentially November, you know, a six month timeline, which is not out of the question to come back from, you know, a pretty serious knee injury. Uh, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit. I, I think maybe what I would say, though, is from the fan perspective, if you're trying to look at, you know, February and March and, and look at lineups and things and where is Eric Halligan, you know, plug into that lineup, I, that I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far yeah. because I just don't. I don't think you can count on that. I, obviously, Stasny is, you know, going to be back much sooner, barring any setbacks. And I think I think that's the interesting one to get into with Paul Stasny, who, you know, played the first three games of the year. Uh, you know, was still trying to figure out kind of what his. I mean, he knows his role, but you know, figuring out the tendencies of his line mates and everything else, and blend in with the new team. And um, then he goes down, still out now. But the interesting thing that has happened while Paul Stasny has been away is that that second line that he was supposed to anchor has become really, really good without him. Yeah. And so now he's on the verge of coming back. I mean, it's a it's an issue, but I think it's a good problem to have. What do you do with Paul Stastny? In my mind, it's very, very simple that he goes to the third line mm-hmm. and you try to make something out of your third line that has been really non-productive all season long. Make See what he can do on that third line. There is zero chance that I'm breaking up that second line right now. The way that they're playing right now, I yeah, you you don't touch them. The, the thing with Stasny is he's a veteran. He's good on face-offs. He understands his role, all the things that you would need out of a third-line center. Is he going to be super stoked at, you know, playing maybe 14 minutes a game or whatever he gets on the third line? Yeah, probably not. But if they're winning and he, you know, can figure out his spot, his role – you know, figure out a way to contribute and and do that on the third line. I think it makes them better. Yeah. I think if you're able to find, you know, I was talk, talking to somebody, you know, with somebody about this yesterday. I, I mean, if you just hypothetically, let's say you put Nosek down on the fourth line and maybe you put Carrier up on the third line and let him just be speed and run around and you find you find somebody, whether it's internally or the trade deadline to, to put on the other wing, now you got a third line that that you can put out there and you feel you can roll through and Man, I would and not. maybe they they can chip in offensively and maybe they can do some things. Maybe, but I would not want to break up the fourth line either. Yeah, I it's true. My thing with it is is I think Carrier and Reeves play similarly as as kind of that F1 that first four checker yeah. in there. Reeves has adjusted his game on that line as kind of being that second guy. Um, kind of cleaning up Carrier's damage, yeah. uh, I guess, excuse me, a little bit. Um, but I think it could work where if you – I would be hesitant to split those guys up too. But I'm just saying maybe hypothetically if you – because I think the one thing Stasny would need is somebody is a hard four checker, whether that's Nosik, whether that's Carrier, whether that's Reeves. I think if you can put somebody on on that wing, let them just go after, be a hard four checker, and you you got Stasny and somebody else that can chip in, um, you know, maybe it's a trade deadline guy. Maybe it's, maybe it's Daniel Carr. Maybe it's Hika. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You know? it's, I'm thinking. You go out. You go outside. 
if that yeah. if that's a specific role that you need, and yes, you have the guys in Reeves and Carrier that could do that, but if that's a specific role, I'm choosing to try to find somebody over breaking up the fourth line. I would try to find some if it's me and I'm got and I got Stasny on a third line. I want somebody that can chip in a little bit offensively. That's what I'm looking yeah. for in the next couple of months going into the trade deadline if I'm George McPhee. Is somebody on that third line that can solidify a wing and chip in offensively. You know, Do all the things you need a third line winger to do, but find some offense because you mentioned this year the third line. I would even go back and, and say last year. Yeah. You know, they've, for me, the one thing, the one – I guess spot area that George McPhee hasn't fixed in a year and a half is that third line. And they've tried, you know, some different combinations, some different guys. But to me, that's the one area where if I look at their roster right now, I say instant upgrade. You can upgrade on that third line. Now, how you can do it, you know, that's why George McPhee's, you know, in his spot and and has to make those decisions. But that's the area where I would really look for them to to try to improve. So Got that on the horizon with him with him coming back, uh, Paul Stastny, in a couple weeks. As we said, he's back on the ice. Help probably a little further down the line uh, with Eric Brandstrom, which I, I know people want him to play right now. I know they want him to get in there. But uh, you did get a chance to talk to him. You're, you're having a story coming up uh, in the Review Journal that I'm sure people very much want to read. But um, just real quickly to, to kind of preview that, just where is Brandstrom in his development in terms of becoming an NHL player? Offensively, he's pretty much there. I think anybody that you talk to in the organization, whether it's George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, uh, you know, had a chance to talk to Rocky Thompson, uh, who's the coach of the Chicago Wolves. You know, offensively, he's he came in with such a strong foundation. He's got such just you know instincts. I guess is, is the word that that seems to come to mind. He sees the ice so well. He seems to be adapting to the smaller ice, and he seems to actually prefer it. Because he, what he says is, I don't think as much, and I have to go off instinct. He seems to think it helps him. You know, obviously defensively is is where he needs to improve, where they're oh, is working with him. important to a defenseman? Well, you know, once or a little <laughs> bit on the – comes into play once or twice, I think, uh, situationally. But, you know, it's little things. It's stick positioning, body positioning, um, you know, kind of the things that savvy defensemen in the NHL don't think about and, and just do naturally. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what Rocky Thompson talked about was they wanted to get it to the point where he's just not thinking about it and it's just who he is and, and, and what he does. And, and I don't think he's there yet. I think you get a sense from, from folks that he's still, you know, they're not, they're not going to rush him into this lineup. They feel good about the eight that they have right now. Uh, I got to talk to Kelly McCrimmon a little bit today uh, afterward and, and get a little bit more specific about, you know, they have nine games with him where technically they can bring him up and then his contract doesn't kick in for those first nine games. They would keep him on that entry level. Um, you know, it would slide basically. Right. And I don't want to get into the whole, you know, cap stuff and all of that. But basically they have kind of nine free games with him that, that they could play him. And I got no sense. And, and Kelly McCrimmon said, yeah, basically like at this point, that's not even in the cards. Um, so I think they're fine with him in Chicago. I think they feel like he's still. Well, you certainly don't want to bring him up here to sit in the press box, right? Either. Right. And, and, and like I said, and they feel. I think they feel good about where they're at right now with the eight that they have. Um, that there's no re- no need to rush him. He's you know, I mean, he's still 19, and and you know this is something I, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but you know I covered high school sports for so many years, and 
there's a similarity in terms of recruiting. And sometimes these guys that are first round picks and four star, five star guys, you expect them all to develop at the same rate. And they don't. Everybody's different. And and everybody's got a different ceiling and a different, you know, development path and, and progression that they take. You know, Patterson is is in Vancouver tearing things up. Cody Glass right now is in juniors. Does that mean Cody Glass is, you know, a bomb and a flop? And no, absolutely. It means he's 19 years old, and, and this is the track that you know he happens to be on. Everybody's different, so I think, like you said, everybody wants Branson, and you see the offense, and you know you see all oh, he can run a power play, and 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 all the excitement that that brings. But there's a whole you know a whole lot that that also goes into it, and I don't think I would guess, just a guess, just my gut feeling that we don't see Eric Branson in Vegas this year. Next year. Almost 100% that, that we see him. Well, there you go. A lot of time to develop uh, in Chicago where you can get a ton of minutes and uh, really focus on improving that defensive end of the ice where uh, offense, I understand why there's excitement, why people are like, oh, I love this guy. He's great. Look what he can do. But you're watching a lot of what he's doing on offense, and you got to kind of understand more the intricacies of uh, how to play defense in the NHL. And he'll get there, and uh, I'm sure people will be very excited when he finally does. But just be patient uh, with Branstrom. Last thing to get to, uh, as we said last time, last time was very down. It was very, wow, this team is just inconsistent. They can't find it. They can't figure it out. Now there's a lot of optimism. Hey, five wins in a row before that last loss. You know, right back in position, making a run in the Pacific Division. Is it too easy to say, well, they're back. They're really good again. Yes. It's too Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's, what, it, that's what I was going for. Well, I think – one of the things that I think we've started to hear a little bit more from the locker room is that we have no stars, maybe other than Flower. Yeah. And you didn't hear that early on. And, and I thought that was telling that, you know, I don't know that they, if they thought they come into the season and you feel like you're a good team and you're confident. And maybe sometimes you forget how you got to that point that you had to have, you know, a very blue collar mentality, a very, you know, we're a locker room, no stars, and that's how you know we have to play with a chip on our shoulder and, and all those sorts of things that you heard last year. I think you're finally starting to hear it a little bit more this year that they've realized that's what we have to get back to. I think that was you know, maybe bottoming out in Calgary, one of the things they talked about afterward, and maybe they kind of realized you know, was, look, if we're trying to Hollywood this stuff up, that's not who we are. You know, we were good last year and yeah, maybe we got contracts, but it's not who we are. So let's get back to playing the way that we can play and, and get back to our, our identity. I think they had such a hard time early on just finding their identity, finding who they were. I think more than anything, that's what I've seen is just, you know, to use their, their cliche is it's gotten back to golden Knights hockey. You know, you see more of the speed, you see, you know, guys on that diagonal through the neutral zone and getting passes and, and you feel like they're putting teams on their heels and things like that. That that San Jose game, especially you know right after Thanksgiving, that one was that was a 2017, you know seventeen eighteen. That was everything that you saw last year. You know it would snowball in the first period. You know the the crowd would get into it. They would just keep playing fast. Other teams would you know just kind of get bowled over for for lack of a better phrase. You, I, I mean that's rare. You're not going to do that to teams every night, but. I do think going forward, I, I think this week is a test. You know, you play the Capitals, um, you play like you know the Stars, the Kings, 
Um, you know, obviously, the, I think the Blackhawks should be a game that they take two points from. You know, but they have to start beating teams. They start beating good teams. Yes, they have to exactly. They have to start beating teams out of the Pacific Division. Have to start beating some of these Eastern Conference teams and you know teams with winning records. At some point, just you know collecting points against San Jose and Vancouver. You know, yeah, it's it's well and good, and yeah, they're four point swings in in a lot of cases. But you know, you, I don't think you can entirely rely on that to win a division. You've got to start you know beating some of these other good teams, and we've seen signs. I think going forward that that they're capable. Yep, and we'll uh, continue to monitor how uh, the Golden Knights are progressing. Again, back right back in the mix, couple of wins, got uh, some confidence, and uh, climbing in the standings. And so, um, you know, there there's a long way to go in the season, but the Golden Knights are in not the position they want to be necessarily, but a much more uh, desirable position than they were a couple of weeks back. And they'll look to keep that going uh, in the next few weeks, and then. The second half of the season is going to have a lot of home games. Yeah, I, I think they've got that. I didn't look at the schedule. I think it all catches up in February, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of those, those so home games. A lot, but, of, a lot of time on the road uh, for now. But the, the the bad part of that is you get tired and it's not easy to build up points and you can fall behind a little bit. But the good part is, you know, you have the home games on the horizon. Yeah, and and they're staying afloat. You know, I mean, that's the, the not to use, you know, treading water as a, you know, a positive thing per se. But they're hanging around there. They're, they haven't buried themselves. They haven't put themselves in such a huge they hole. Drown. If you're going to use treading water, you have to yeah. sit in drown. All right. Well, let's just go there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but they've you know they're within striking distance basically because you know when we had talked a couple of weeks ago there was a point where if that thing you know had spun now all of a sudden you're talking about eight ten points and and you're yeah. really having to climb out of a hole. You're looking at having to play like six fifty you know, hockey winning percentage, you know, the rest of the way, which is a huge ask. You know, they've got it back to the point now where, you know, you get on a couple, you know, good spurts and, and all of a sudden, you know, you're 10 games over 500 and you look at that division, you know, <laughs> that division is really, I mean, just, I know, I know we're wrapping up, but just very mediocre for, 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 for comedic value, just look at the goal differential in that, <laughs> yeah. in that division. I mean, what Anaheim, I think, was like a negative thirteen or something like that in second place, yeah. which is which is ludicrous to me. But it's not like it's a you know a loaded division. We're not talking about like uh, what the NFC South or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So you know you can make some headway. You know you get on a run and and all of a sudden you know you're right back where you were last year and, and feeling good about stuff. Well, hopefully we can make that run too. We, you know, we were the number one podcast on the planet. We're still top 10 though, right? Yeah. Seven. Okay. No, it's good. Most people would be happy with that. That's not good yeah. enough for us, Dave. Yeah. I, I understand. And again, those are our rankings. I don't know who came up. I just did it myself. Uh, so that, that's where we're at. Hopefully uh, we'll continue to climb just like the Golden Knights are trying to climb the standings. Thank you to everyone out there who listens and, you know, tell your friends, spread it on social media, uh, Check us out each week with the Golden Edge Podcast. A terrific, terrific job by Dave Shane. You know what? I'm officially kicking Ben out for next week, too. You're back in. So uh, you'll you'll be here. Uh, I know you're very excited for that. Uh, everyone else will be, too. I'll bring some more music, some more Blind Melon. Yes. And, uh, Get a different we'll, band. Let's explore yeah. explore all of your musical tastes uh, <laughs> for next week. Yes, it's, ben very, likes, it's very narrow. Ben likes to sing Hamilton and rap Hamilton lyrics in here, which I think just goes over everyone's head. Yeah, see, that's it's way too, too way too way too intellectual for yeah, me. Too uh, smart for, for us. We're uh, Too sophisticated, too cultured. Yes, we're sticking with other things. Uh, Dave has his... Uh, Blind Melon. I was listening to a lot of Big Sean on the way over here. I was very happy about that. So, uh, highly recommended. 
but listen to us instead when you're driving around out around town. That'll do it for us for the Golden Edge. For Ben Goats, who's not here, Dave Shane, Adam Hill, great job by Larry Mir. And, I mean, it sucks to have to leave these luxurious studios, but we're going to do it. And we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Thank you.